Good afternoon. How are we doing? Now, you're not going to get a countdown timer and the blaring loud music today, in part because Restream, which we use for our services, as well as then the other connection issues we've, we've had recently, means that I'm just going to ease off on that and redo some of that video work, especially because it seems to be glitching the signal, as well as then stopping the stream. Apologies for yesterday's show for those that tried to tune in to Tom Flanagan's guest hosting. He had that issue whereby the video jammed up the system and the stream, and so then the show didn't go to air. I don't think he noticed either. I think he therefore delivered probably what is the best show we could have done, but to no one. And so apologies to Tom, apologies to you guys if you tried to tune in, but hopefully this one's working. Do let me know if so, because there's been a few glitches more recently. And we're trying to put them right. Uh, but one of the things I can do for the time being is just not play the videos. Um, today, I've got a great show planned for you. Um, we've, we're working uh, to try to get... Um, again, we, we, we've been working to get this episode together with Rashaba Salva. I've probably mis, uh, mispronounced that, but um, he'll put me right, no doubt, if he joins me shortly. Um, he should be with us soon. And... He's been really patient with me because we were trying to do it last week, but I ended up a bit double booked. He posted some really interesting statistics uh, onto uh, the physio and therapy support group, um, but also it sort of spoke to something I've been thinking about and we've been talking about on this show for a while, which is sort of the, the concept of repeat business, um, monitoring your numbers and understanding as to what your levels are with regards to yourself, your other clinicians that you see, how many patient contacts you've had in any particular window and especially within any episode of care, as we often use that terminology. And he posted some great statistics that he clearly measures for himself, his team, and I think he's a coach as well. I think he works with other clients. So uh, I was really interested to get him on the show and to talk about some of the U's and R's when it comes to patient monitoring, uh, but also especially when it comes to that repeat business. Um, so I, I, it's first time we've spoken, and unfortunately because of tech issues and some other challenges he's had in clinic, means that we've not even had our usual preamble for 15 minutes uh, beforehand. Uh, and so hopefully if the tech allows, I can bring him in. I can see he's loitering now in in the in the in the lobby uh, so please do let us know guys as long as you can hear i think that brian's given us a thumbs up i assume that's because he can hear me um but do let us know once me and rushab will get into get into a chat as to whether or not we have any technical issues beyond this but hopefully if it behaves itself can you hear me yeah i can hear you can you hear me i can indeed yeah thank Fantastic. you for, thanks um, so much for joining no honestly uh, so grateful for to be here jack uh, just a bit of uh, background I have been following Jack probably for the last God knows how many years. And uh, for me, it's a privilege to be here. So Jack, thank you so much for inspiring clinicians all over the world. Uh, my friend Martin in Kenya, where I'm from, uh, all of us have known sort of the amount of amazing work you've doing um, over the years. So I'm actually finding it's my honor to kind of be on here and, and have a chat to you. And something about I'm passionate about, which is talking about numbers and talking about sort of why profitability in the physiotherapy businesses um it, it's it's we're plagued by it because you know we, we're scared to talk money and we're scared to talk numbers <laughs> yeah. um but yeah thank you so much um for getting me on so yeah um oh that's brilliant well that, that, let me let me make sure that because i'm blushing so please no, 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 I'm not, you, haven't paid, you haven't paid me for this so you've worry. said that you've said that now um which is which is lovely of you and thank you yeah. but uh, equally uh, my the, my job is to is to shine a light on the actual experts out there, and uh, and so um, you know all I'm doing is is giving a platform. But certainly one of the things that really piqued my interest is that that attention to detail on the numbers, as well as the fact that yeah we struggle to sometimes to talk money. One thing I need to make sure you put me right on is am I mispronouncing your name? 
Uh, everyone calls you Rush, uh, so it's the simplest way. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Rush. Brilliant. We'll, we'll 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 go with that then. That's great. So Fine. yeah, apologies if I managed to mess it up, but let's go Not with Rush. So, so jumping, obviously, I, uh, I I I hooked you from a, a comments section, didn't I? Um, so yeah. let's start with that then. So what was yeah. what were you posting, and what do you feel that that data tells us? Yeah. So Clinico, um, Joel uh, from Clinico, I know very well. Um, and he's basically the, sort of the, behind Clinico, essentially. He's, he's the guy who created it. Right. Uh, what they've come back with is metrics we can measure. Now, you and I both know, or anyone who's watching this, uh, if anything needs to be measured, you need a metric for it. And what he's looking at is patient visit average, so the amount of times a patient will come in to your clinic. And then he's looking at a rebooking percentage. So it's basically how important um, is your client to you and how often are you getting them booked in. Uh, and then I think there's some other sort of metrics that people don't realize, but Clinico is able to sort of, you know, provide you with, right. giving you essentially a snapshot of where your business is in the day-to-day -day running, the week-to-week -week running, the month-to-month -month running, the year-to-year -year running. Um, and that will basically influence decisions as a business owner or a practice manager, whether you hire, whether you work on the pathway, whether you improve your client experience and your journey. Um, and one of the reasons why I love talking about this is particularly because we, I started off uh, as a way of telling someone who came to my clinic, say, I'm going to get you better in the least amount of sessions as possible um, so that you don't have to fork out your money. And it's only until a patient kind of came back to me and said, I'm not worried about my money. I want to get the problem sorted. You actually, um, you know, he, he took offense to what I've just said to him. And, you know, it, when you start off in the private practice, I mean, I started at the back of a barbershop five years ago, and now we have four practices um, dotted all around London with sort of 10 practitioners. And it's not necessarily to say I've done something right, but it's to show that actually one of the things I'd really got down in my second year was moving away from that mindset of less is more. Right. Um, because... If you're not necessarily getting your patient in enough times into your clinic, forget money, you're first of all underservicing them. You're causing um, a lack of leadership in your clinic for your practitioners to see you basically operate at a level where you're not really delivering what you say you're going to do. Let's take a tendon injury, for example. We know it takes 90 days for a tendon to kind of get better. So why are we then just treating for five sessions and saying to the someone, hey, by the way, that's it, you know, no more. Um, obviously this is insurance companies or, you know, we, we'll see how it goes. I think is the, is the thing, the phrase that people use, uh, call me if you don't get better, um, ring me if you get worse. Um, you know, all these phrases I used to use as a practitioner, I moved away from it. Uh, we actually have a ban on saying, see how it goes. If I ever hear any <laughs> clinician who says, see how it goes, that's it. That's that's game over for them, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing, I suppose. See, see how it goes. If there's also some appointments uh, between between appointments that are already booked, it's slightly different. But I do know what you mean, and is that there's there is a culture of that whereby things are left too open ended, and therefore, like you yeah. say, there's a there's a there's a uh, uh, a leadership aspect to that relationship that, that sometimes is is needed obviously each each clinical relationship is a partnership um but yeah. equally you know you, there is something to be said of professional expertise needing to sort of lead the conversation absolutely in, in regards to uh, a patient not necessarily always knowing as to what is required and that's something that we need to do prof professionally and ethically i want to just come absolutely. to this because so P pva a patient visit average being something then on an episode of care is a metric that would be used to understand how many contacts 
that clinician had with that with that patient in that episode. Am I right there? Yeah. Yes, that's correct. So that's then, correct. oh, go on, sorry. Yeah. No, no, go for it. You're saying something. So, so yeah, my my, my question to you is, I think that despite all the things you've just mentioned and we're going to definitely get stuck into thoroughness and we've got the time and the signal seems stable so i'm really looking forward to getting yes. stuck into the detail on this however to me that is not a metric that is inevitably more is better now we, we agree no. that less is not infer inherently more however there are some diminishing returns and if that was the case regardless of presentation regardless of circumstance regardless of budget that's where it starts to get that's where the interesting conversation is for me. And, and I've, I've well, obviously done enough due diligence to know that you're up for engaging me with it. So yeah. let's just understand those parameters then, because we want to not come across as if we're inferring that the higher the better on that number regardless. No, of not at all. Not right. at all. It's all about your client journey and a management plan, right? So it starts there. Every patient should have a management plan. And that's my firm belief. Every patient that leaves our initial assessment will get a management plan, letting them know how long an expectation of this injury uh, in terms of timeframes, how long and what we're going to be doing at each stage and really mapping it out because I need to be clear. I need to be patient-centered, first of all. The patient needs to know what's going on, that I'm, a, I'm their supporter, I'm the cheerleader, um, you know, I'm, I'm mentoring them through their rehabilitation process and then um, you know, there's almost like the, a transaction that happens. And that's the fundamental of the PVA is that it's a patient visit average for you to be, almost uh, empower that relationship. You know, we know that adherence and compliance comes from um, one clear communication to both sides seeking to understand. And then three, which is in my eyes, one of the most important is frequency. Hmm. And frequency, not necessarily profit-driven frequency, it's patient-driven frequency. So it's for the patient, am I able to nurture those changes? Um, in a simple way, we have this rule that we sort of use in our clinic um, where we use a five in two model. So we will book the first five appointments in the first two to three weeks of, their, of them coming in. And as a private practice owner, before I used to do it where, you know, um, I would basically book them in one, two weeks after, three weeks after, a month away. And what I found was actually I was getting less, I wasn't getting the results that I wanted and people weren't getting what they wanted. And this is just anecdotal, right? This sure. is just people telling me, you know, it's too far. Like, wish I want to, I want to, I want to sort of see you more often. And I know it's difficult in the NHS practice, obviously with, with waiting times and everything else, but just talking about private here, you have to sort of direct that um, conversation. Mm. As business owners, I know for certain the struggle. You know, I saw the back of a barbershop, but the way I paid rent was to brush the guy's, anyone's hair. And that's how I paid rent. And I don't want anyone to be in that position where they're basically having to kind of like struggle to keep their dreams and aspirations um, and they're putting a lid on it because they're not able to understand this PVA. And yeah. PVA is not necessarily money. It's more about the client getting the best experience um, and I think one of the things that I remember you saying or, or someone saying who's come on your podcast is like, you know, we're not in the we're not in the therapy game. We're in the experience game, whether it's an experience of someone interacting with us, whether it's someone experiencing us for the first time. It's an experience. And that's what we need to build on. Because mm, people people are that, that is it. In, individual people have their own individual goals, but they have their own individual expectations that overlap with their individual needs then those things are three separate things sometimes and they overlap yeah. but the 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 variety especially when it comes to the sort of clinical example so do you see how how varied a how varied a case uh, do, do you and your business see because that certainly we matters can, doesn't it 
Yeah, for sure. So we can see anyone from the ages of you know, eight, eight years upwards to 90, you know, my 93 year old patient who I was seeing. And it, it varies. Obviously, everyone's financial um, you know, situations are different and we have um, you know, ways to help them. So, you know, if we, for example, find that someone's not able to sort of, you know, afford, for example, we will have a discussion with them and learn how best they feel it would benefit, whether it's touch points, so weekly touch points, emails and sort of keeping that communication going and then having them come into the clinic on a monthly basis, for example. And they could be with us a whole year. Sure. Uh, yes, you you distribute, distribute, those, distribute those contacts, but still keep in touch Absolutely. with them and feel that they're, they're under your care. I suppose one, of, one of the things, the reason I, mention, reason I mention this is because, of course, there's, especially when it's sort of those neuro come neuro msk style overlay mm. patients of which you've got low, low slow stream you've got complex trauma ligament repairs both stop generally um pediatric developmental those are famously more slow stream but when it comes to because because one of the things that sort of really piqued my interest and baited this conversation and, and hurried me along really with yeah. something that was sort of in pencil it certainly got in pen on my diary was that Good. inherently you, your pva of 12 seems yeah. instinctively high when I map it onto a narrow MSK caseload, depending on the yeah. variety of which you see. So ankle sprains, standard low back pain still, coming off the Still street. need 12. Still need 12. Yes, still see, need 12 uh, for, for performance. You're moving a person from pain into performance. And why do we sort of stop at pain? Why do we not take that relationship over? Why do we not refer out to strength and conditioning therapists? Why don't we employ strength and conditioning coaches in our business? And the real, real reality is that as a professional, we've always been very quick to hold on to our patients, but never collaborating with other professions to, to explore that journey. And that could be looking like a 12, a 12, 15, 20 session journey. And for the person in front of us, they just want to get better so that they get back to doing what they love. But that's a relevant distinction, isn't it? That you're being, there's a thoroughness of service that means that you're not just wash, rinse, repeating over the course of 12 to 15 sessions. No. It, it, that, that's the thing that I wanted to hone in on because, of course, you know, there's, there's no inherent aversion for me to do that. It's just that yeah. if a – let's just take it back to – you or I, it's funny because, you know, I, my analogy I always use is room above a hairdresser because it's, a, it's where we first had any rented space. Amazing. <laughs> that, that, um, so, but that, that person, that sole practitioner, if they were to, without an extension of skill set or without diversifying their service offering, if they were to then transpose what we're talking about onto their existing care model, then to yeah. some degree that could be constituting just over treatment generically and that would be sort of that wash rinse repeating now do you disagree with that i disagree with that because we we look at rebooking as a dirty word all right we consider as a as a sales pitch we're, we're now sort of bordering you know we think we're we're basically like that that's sleazy salesman and that's when confidence in your own ability is is, is questioned because you're you're really you know you're not creating a concise treatment plan and that's the fundamental. If you created a concise treatment plan to help someone adhere to a tendinopathy, for example, you would see that person for three or four months. Whether or not it was in person, touch points, whatever it was, you would have that journey for three or four months. And the problem is that we've basically moved away from that. So this is all clinical backed data that we're doing, right? It's not that we want them for 12 sessions. It's because a journey in tendinopathy will take that long. If I was going to see them Absolutely, on a weekly but I think that you're taking the low-hanging fruit example in MSK with tendinopathy, right? So yeah. fresh, acute ankle sprain, I think 
that dependent on, let's say that this is someone whose needs, expectations and other world, you know, that whatever else is surrounding their fitness environment means that they are in for a physiotherapy, they're in for a physiotherapist to assess, manage and treat this injury and get it to resolution to return to return to sport at the level that we're in. Like, so let's just yeah. park the sort of S and C training aspects and, yeah, and yeah. games, right? I think that in that in that instance, are you doubling down on the fact that that is something that you you would you would not be concerned at fifteen contact? So what we would probably do at that stage is look at outcomes, right? What are they coming in with? What are they leaving with? And if they're at that point where, say, in ten sessions or in eight sessions, they've met their outcomes and they've met that specific return to play, whatever it is, fine, they can stop at eight. You know, I think the the, the problem here is that we're looking at. Um, lack of empathy, lack of authenticity, and lack of conviction in clinicians not being able to deliver those 12 sessions or or, or take it to that level where we're delivering value, value, value. You know, um, one of the things that Gary Vee says, and I'm a massive fan of Gary Vee, is jab, 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 punch, or jab, jab, hook, you know, and it's all about sort of de delivering that. And, um, you know, I, I obviously understand but why do we have to think from a patient's wallet? And that's what I used to do. I used to think from a patient's perspective when it comes to finances. And the whole topic over here today is obviously looking at 12 PVAs, looking at a rebooking percentage above 95%. But then we have raving fans about um, of our clinic that are willing to share. Um, you know, I don't have to spend on marketing. I don't do Facebook ads. I don't do any Google ads. I don't do any SEO. Because all I've done is just made sure that my client gets the best level of care possible. Mm -hmm. And when they do, and when they get results, they're bound to ask people to come in. Mm. I think one, so, one of the things, because I suppose, because I know your, your instincts are such that, you know, you, and you're absolutely right, there's an allergy there's an allergy to money. There's sometimes that, you, you know, it's not up to you to understand your individual patient's finances. And if you did, then you're overreaching, right? So, you know, all those yeah. instincts that you have, I think it's right. And, and it's definitely smart for us to be uh, announcing that, right? But between me and you now in this conversation, that ain't me, right? So I'm not, that, those aren't the mistakes I'm making when I'm challenging this point in that I think that done, there, there is a circumstance that can be described of which, the the notions that you're describing in where a, a clinician is being trained especially a clinician under your banner is being trained yeah. to have the esteem related issue you know in, inviting them to understand that they can offer more to their community to their patients you know you've got more to offer than you're realizing you're putting a ceiling too low on what you can do to deliver care for these patients right i get all that but what i'm meaning is that there is the a line in which sometimes that can become over-elevated. There's no reason oh, yeah. why an ego can't exist whereby a, th a oh. therapist is perceiving that they're not just wanted, but they're needed, associated yes. and attached to that person, which done badly can de-incentivize and demoralize and patients and make them passive recipients. Absolutely, and this is the reason, equilibrium, finding that balance, right? And what is, what is the number one complaint of clinicians nowadays? Is, is, is the team, the, the attrition rate is quite high in the private sector, uh, unless you've built a really solid team and a culture. And one of the things as a business owner is profitability. Now, obviously that comes with ethics, that comes with, with being moral, that comes with a code of values that you subscribe to and every clinician under you subscribes to, right? For for us, it's caring and knowing that care is, can, can we can overreach sometimes. And there've been instances where we over-delivered sessions and we, you know, I personally almost, I've actually paid people back. I was like, sorry, mate, didn't need that, actually. He's, 
uh, we don't really need to see you. You can either keep it on credit on our file or here's your money back. And you have to understand that we are actually, you know, we're so focused on delivering the best level of care that inevitably you will need time. But you feeling guilty about time or needing that person to come in for however long you feel you're going to get your results in. And we need to get rid of that. There's almost a guilt associated with booking someone five times in the first three weeks. Mm. Right. With, with, exp of... with experience comes a better. You become a better prognosticator. But I suppose yes. you don't. That you don't want to. It's a fine line, and you're right. Of course, the equilibrium is the right way of phrasing it. But it's kind of that you you've got a challenge where a prognosis can't be made inevitable because you're preempting something um, in such a way that then that gets baked in as being the future. Right. You're right in the future, and therefore moving the patient in keeping with that. But still, there's certain circumstances where you anticipate it, saying unless something really surprises us both, this is the likely journey. And, and yeah. that's why, you know, you're right to use tendinopathy as an example. And then supposing my example with an ankle sprain is that, you know, don't, you know this is our likely in, uh, environment. One thing that I feel um, is slightly different at the moment, especially in our clinic in the, in the COVID mm. era and stuff. And I came from uh, set up Choose Health as a consultancy business, of which then it was very different on PVA because it was front loaded sessions working with other therapists, coaches and players um, yeah. on, a, on a sports basis. It's slightly different. But from that means that I'm 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 still fine with a low PVA within a physiotherapy service if they're being moved in within that the business distributes that care differently yeah. you know we've got we've got membership yes. features we've got uh, it blurs into SNC it blurs into performance screening etc but I thought I suppose what I would just wanting to make sure I flag is that that thoroughness is inherent to the higher numbers yes. when it comes to an average so done yeah. done badly if you look, if you don't have the thoroughness and you're not driving people to measurable outcomes, you know the, the, the it's not just these aren't just business metrics. They're completely no. weaved into appropriate problems and prems. I imagine. Yeah? Yes, absolutely. And this is the thing. The, the number one thing that we pride ourselves is obviously we've got so much data that we can collect and and showcase for it. Um, you know, I, I know there's a lot of sort of, you know, I don't know if you know, but on your on your Facebook, I'm sure there's lots of tons of advertisements of, of you know, get rich quick with the practice that you own and a private practice. And we can talk about, you know, health coaches. I think one of you, uh, was it, uh, I think last week or, or, or the on week Monday before? We did the Monday, that's it, that's it. I haven't yet caught up with it, but I'm sure it's going to be uh, an eye opener for me, <laughs> especially. Um, you know, one thing I couldn't do, the reason why I set up my business and the way I'm doing things is because I really want to care for the person in front of me. Hmm. And I'm going to try my, my damn hardest to basically get to that stage where I feel that person's had the adequate amount of care and then the ownership and they take on accountability and they take on basically charge of their health. Mm. Now, where the problem lies is that we're so hell-bent hell as health professionals to invest in our knowledge, to sort of you know keep developing, to get to that sort of top level and then charge big bucks and we think that's how we're going to retire and if you're leading a team or a business you know that's never going to happen it's all about connection can you connect to the person in front of you what do you need for that you need time you need transparency you need humility and honesty and if you can combine these four things that's where you'll be able to actually see them for longer for the amount of time that they need to be seen and then get them results and then leave them knowing that you've done ethically the right thing mm -hmm. and let's stop this guilt in our profession man like it's you know, i'm, I'm hellbound on basically destroy you know when you go and see 
I mean, I have friends who are bankers. I have friends who are basically guys who are in industries where you look at the amount of work they do and you look at the amount of pay that they get and you think, hold on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, like, we're, the one, we're the ones that are wearing guilt and they're not. You just feel a bit imbalanced. And, and we're, we're looking at it and we, because we don't, we're, we, we have been dictated by, obviously, I don't want to start this other topic about insurance companies, but we've been dictated by all these companies and almost the system that we all grew up, which is, you know, the lovely NHS system, which I love to bits, but, you know, it's a shame we can't, we, we can still look after our patients, but there could be more touch points, perhaps, you know, one of the reasons why I left was I couldn't innovate. I couldn't get more um, frequency with my patients even though I knew that's exactly what they needed because that's how I was going to support them. And maybe not even with my uh, clinical data or my clinical knowledge, but more of like a, like a cheerleader, like a sounding board, like a, a mentor or someone who's actually just rehabilitating and I'm their advisor. And that's all I wanted to be. I think so, that's that's a really good that's a really good point. Sorry to interrupt there, Rush. Um, yeah, yeah. But I recognise I recognise myself in that to some extent. I was very fortunate later on in my NHS career to work under services and APP, which were very very innovative. And so I yeah. actually went back in uh, to that. So I'm certainly Amazing. not reflecting on those times. But it's more that the what you're describing in terms of that inability to innovate. The thoroughness, the evidence was pointing towards person-centered care and to be more thoroughly involved in people's lives and to, and to, while still appropriately and professionally, then offer that point of reference and contact to be their trusted advisor within that injury and to coach them yeah. through towards functional fitness. Yet, at the same time, we had this weird sort of utilitarian overlay that then meant that you kind of couldn't, you know, it was all about the net good rather than the individual circumstance and that everything was being measured in a really narrow sense. And so what Absolutely. you're describing, when you have the ability to, to change the parameters around that in private practice, as long as you do those four things that you've just described uh, with regards to, I'm going to miss one, but integrity, honesty, efficiency, yeah. I'm sure I mean, I've, I've missed something. Yeah, yeah, transparency. 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 But the, the, things that you, the things that you're describing, and I think the reason, especially for me as a commentator, I end up having this, Despite, you know, there's plenty of agreement here, in fact, most, if not all of it, but it's just that I end up as a commentator flagging the fact that people can speak this language without the integrity, honesty, transparency. And yeah, it. So like you, can train yourself, you can train yourself to then just develop a, the customer is always right, right? I'm just going to develop this enormous toolkit of gadgets, gizmos, no. and essentially they run a spa rush. And, no. and even if they, you know, I always am in disputes about what percentage of any profession or industry that is, and some people feel it's more fringe, I should talk about it less. Other people think they paint with a really broad brush and infer that the private sector is riddled with it. I'm somewhere in between, right? But that's what me as a commentator, I, I potentially end up being a bit of a thorn in your side because whilst I understand that there's a guilt complex that we need to get over, I also think that done badly, the cowboys can run, run them up. Absolutely. And this is where the devil's advocate comes into play. You still need to be a devil's advocate to your patient. Right. To their journey. You cannot blindly want 12 sessions just because on my PL sheet, uh, profit and loss sheet at the end of the week or the end of the month, it's going to look good. Right. And this is where a strong foundation of mission values and, 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 and your vision and what you're trying to achieve is, is, is you know, and striking the equilibrium that we keep talking about. You know, if I'm here building a team of 10 plus practitioners, you know, I want to go and empower these clinicians to go and do things. I want them to go and, you know, explore their horizons. I want to see them win. And that's every business owner that's out there it takes on a team member to be able to share the load, but then also as a leader to be able to lift them up and take them to the next level in their lives. I know exactly why my practitioner will say no enough. 
of eight sessions and that's it. You don't need any more because he's grounded in those values that he signed from the start of the joining us. So the key expectations that he joined before he, he, he signed on to us was that, you know, you have to be basically following that, that sort of culture that we've created. And it is culture. You know, there's, a, there's that NHS culture that we followed, you and I did, where well, I'll see you in a month's time, you know, and how many and how many DNAs did we get? You know, secretly, like, you know, when I was in the NHS, like we've all done it, you know, Friday evening, you get that, you get that DNA at the end of the day, you're like, oh man, that's time to bang out some notes. Um, um, well, finally, finally chance to put the kettle on. We're, we're unfortunately it. very close to being out of time, Rush, but please yeah, let's, yeah. Do, let's do this again. You know, I, yeah, definitely sure. you mentioned a couple of other topics that we could have tangent on. I'm glad we didn't. Yeah, yeah, insurance yeah. companies is one, and it certainly sounds like there's a, there's a decent kinship of values here between us. I think what, what, I'd, uh, what I'd just invite the audience on as well with this, typically when a guest is on, that they're often quieter in the chat than they otherwise are when they want to heckle me. Uh, but usually what happens after this is people think about it, stew on it, reflect yeah. on it. And certainly that's what I've been doing. You and others... I've certainly uh, really piqued my interest in that direction whereby I've been very proud and, and continue to be in certain circumstances of a lowish PVA, especially when things are appropriately front-loaded as a means of trying to have empowerment within certain demographics. Now, as lo that feels completely compatible with what we're describing, which is that yep. try and raise the ceiling on your own potential to help society and the patients that you see. And when you do that, you realize that there's a thoroughness of service that you can develop once you yep. realize that you don't pigeonhole yourself and become, become a coach, become a trusted advisor, become someone that uses their expertise in other ways tell people a little bit about where they can find more in ab about you and then we'll obviously catch up again some other time yeah sure so coming. you can you can basically find me on facebook it's rush up sadler or um, on our instagram it's our um, physio r.d.physio um, on facebook um i'm also um a big big believer in collaboration so if anyone wants to pick my brain if anyone wants to understand how we do things and want to sort of maybe uh, take on um, an example or even shoot, troubleshoot a problem feel free to do that and it's all confidential so more than happy to help and Nigeria, businesses yeah. thrive brilliant and if it's easy for anyone then just get in touch with me and obviously i'll point you in the direction of, of rush and his team and his business it's really interesting to have met you funny circumstance for us to first talk but hope it's yes. the first of many mate really appreciate Absolutely. it and uh, thanks Thank for you. joining me today take care thank mate. you jack thank All you Okay then, so as I mentioned at the start, um, I unfortunately can't be playing our fancy ass video exit type stuff, which some of you will be pleased with because it's rather loud, isn't it? But we're working on those and the stream seems to have been fairly clean for Signal today, which is a bonus, uh, but really do uh, really do appreciate it and really appreciate Rush's time as well. That was a fascinating conversation and there's much more to get into. So I hope we can do that again sometime. Uh, thank you so much to those of you that are as per usual, pouring your comments in at the last minute, just as I'm in overtime. So thank you, Lee. Great discussion and great points, gents. Talita's also mentioned that it was an ace session. Thank you. Really appreciate it. And also really need to help us to elevate our understanding of what value we can add. I've just noticed as well as I've just made my screen bigger that I've managed to get my, one of my kids' mouths were bleeding, look, all over my shoulder. What a scruff pot I am. I need to go and get changed before I go and see some patients this afternoon. But really do appreciate you all. And I'll see you all tomorrow for another the brilliant show let me tip you off as to who's on the show who's on the show tomorrow andy hosgood's on the show tomorrow another brilliant thinker in the world of sort of uh, therapy business and, and business management it's a funny one we've had um, a lot of businessy stuff this week but as we've come to understand the world's going to be opening up a little bit more and we all need to be a bit more thoughtful about this stuff. And so, yeah, I'm really looking forward to speaking to Andy on Thursday. And then Oliver Thompson, who's uh, one of the leading osteopaths in the country, is going to be talking a little bit about vaccines and vaccine hesitancy. He had a paper out recently about vaccine hesitancy within the osteopathic community and how that's going to affect business. It's been a super hot topic.
topic. So really looking forward to those two shows Thursday, Friday. But anyway, that's enough from me. Thank you very much. I'll see you tomorrow.